You know, when you try and casually tell your mom or like, you know, you have presents and you're like, oh, wouldn't it be so great to open one of my presents early? I'm not asking her anything. (laughs) (laughs) But like, what if that happened? You know, wouldn't that just Mm -hmm. be funny? Let's talk about it. Like, yeah. And like when I casually was like, oh, my God, what if for the podcast, I opened one of my presents? Because it's like killing you inside. It definitely (laughs) meant I want to open my presents. (laughs) Just so everyone's aware. Yesterday was my 26th birthday. Happy birthday! Mm-hmm. Yay! I'm 26 years old now. You're freaking um, old, huh? Yes. Uh, uh, time is slipping through my fingers like you're sand. literally... Barreling a, towards the grave. Yeah. You're I, just you know, fighting to stay alive. I'm finally entering the age demographic of our listeners. Because I feel wow. like... <laughs> our. <laughs> That's so interesting, Skylar. Please tell us more. <laughs> yeah, because like a lot of our listeners are much older, uh-huh. and uh, I think when I look at statistics, it's what twenty six to fifty or something. I, don't know. I think that is like the demographic. So hello, demographic. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I've I'm here. entered onto I've your arrived. level. <laughs> You're welcome. So what'd you get me? <laughs> Um, if Can I open listen- one now and one yes, later? Yes, if okay. you've listened to the podcast episodes in the past, we've talked about love languages, and Skylar's is getting gifts. Gift receiving. Gift receiving. Not giving, receiving. No, giving gifts is a huge amount of stress for me. Yeah, and he <clears throat> likes to show love in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got you four things, two of which have not arrived yet. Is one really coming from Russia? Yeah, and then... Yeah, <laughs> and so two have arrived, and actually they're the two that are like cool, fun, but they weren't like mm-hmm. the main things that I was getting you. The other two that are coming are like the All like right. the cooler, bigger kind of gifts. Let me, let me gifts. tell the listeners what I'm seeing visually. I'm yeah. Seeing, oh yeah, describe it. Oh wait, ASMR. Hold on. I'm seeing one. It, it is a small, tiny rectangle. It's covered in a beautiful turquoise paper with blue string and then one is a cube that is purple like lavender lavender asmr you guys are welcome which one should i open first everybody think which one um the big one yeah <laughs> you also might not be able to get the string off because i like yeah okay really never mind i thought i tied them together but i didn't okay speaking of which listeners you are about to see what i got for my birthday with me and you get to hear his reaction, whether it's fake or genuine. <laughs> so, everyone, sub- so everyone, please let me know what you think. <laughs> please submit my reactions. No, I feel like there's not much I can get you that I know that you won't like. <gasps> it's a mug. Okay, but it's so cool. And it said, oh, it has tarot cards on it. It's, it's all the aces. And they're like diverse hands, too. Like they're people of color. And it's oh, so the... Um, I love it. The cards are like, um, how do you explain that? Where do you go in, Phoebe? They're the Where do you Rider, think you're going? They're basically the Rider Waite Smith cards. They're just they mirror look, images. Yeah, and they look like um, they have like a, I don't know, like a psychedelic color yes, scheme to they it. They have like on Instagram when you add um, like a, a shadow palette. Yeah. yeah. Also, I may have bought myself one as well. Oh my god, I can't wait <laughs> I was for this so to be my new mug. I was so obsessed with it, and I was like, I want Thank the queen too, I welcome. That was kind of like the little one, because okay, I also bought it for myself. Okay, this is really weird, and kind of random, and I I don't know, I'm like weird about it. Anyways, okay. this is how I'm giving gifts to Skylar. <laughs> I feel awkward because we're recording it on the podcast. Alright. 
Alright, so chickadee say this is so random, but uh, you I know, know what, listeners, it's only my birthday once a year. Yeah. But there's also Christmas and shit. Okay, Aww. so I it's vintage, it's used, it has like people's writing in the front cover. It's like really? a children's it's like a children's I pocket bible. With the Psalms. Yeah. You know what's and there's so like funny really about this? cool illustrations in there and stuff. I got it off of Etsy, off of like a vintage. Isn't that so oh, cute? The original owner, and he has like dyslexic handwriting. <laughs> He's like a little He's child. Like I know. And it says it's for Stevie. I know. It's so cute. And, and for it the smells date, like an old, like it smells like an old book. I can't even see what this date is. Like I know. 19 something from a long time ago but there's really like i really liked the illustrations and i don't know even if you don't really use it you can just add it to your collection and has like good vintage vibes it has little drawings i love it thank you so much you're welcome this one is definitely the winner i know the mug mug. was like okay the mug is like fun right i love it i have been eyeballing new testament with psalms okay i yeah i didn't know anything about the versions that i got i have no i have no knowledge of the bible different versions or anything like that but i just thought it was cute because it's like a little pocket one and i don't know it has has amazing vibrations on it stevie like written in like a child's pencil on the front like who this belongs to and it's so cute I wonder where Stevie is I'm now. I'm really excited Prison. for the other two to get here, though. Oh, and yeah. the one Me is too. coming from Russia, and the other one is just taking its sweet old time. Relatable. So. But I got myself the queens on the mugs. Oh, the queens? Yeah. I think the aces is definitely more me. I, uh, there was a couple other options, but I was like, the aces is cool. I like that the ace of pentacles has like a POC so, hand. Um... Yeah, it's been a week. Um, I, Happy I, birthday! Thank you. I, thank you so much. The incredible gifts. I love them. Good. I ate all of your chocolate cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are a ton left. So, yeah. So, the guy I'm seeing, everyone. Yes, I'm seeing someone who's hot. He's <laughs> hot. hot. Anyways, he made me cupcakes, and they're amazing. But, um, did you want to... You, you told me you had a story you wanted to share, or did you want to jump right into the articles I found? Um, let's just recap a, like a little bit of It feels like a bajillion years since It really week. was. I've been gone all weekend. We went and stayed in an Airbnb about an hour and a half from here with a couple that we met that we played disc golf with and that we kayak with and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, we entered in a disc golf tournament and I won. For mm-hmm. those of you who saw my story, which was like a lot of people were looking at my story that day, I guess. There was like 200 people that saw it. So maybe everyone here already knows and is like, okay, I'm over it. Stop bragging. But like, I'm really proud of myself. Yeah. Really proud of myself. Um, yeah, I haven't gotten to play in a tournament that I felt like I was really competing to win. Because um, if you guys have been listening, I went to Arizona in February before we moved down here. And we stayed in a house with, like, a bunch of our friends and stuff. But I didn't play that tournament to win. I played because, like, we were meeting all of our out-of-state friends there. And I just, like, was playing to play. I really had no business playing that tournament. I hadn't practiced. I really Mm. haven't had my game. But since we've moved down here, George and I have been playing, like, two to three times a week. And really trying to hone in, like, back into tournament play. So I felt like the most prepared for a tournament I've ever been. And there was like a decent amount of girls in my division. 
Um, a lot of the times when girls play disc golf tournaments, there's like only two or three, maybe mm-hmm. even just two girls in your division. So when you win, you feel good, but you don't, you know, it's like, okay, I beat a couple girls. Mm-hmm. Like there was at least seven or eight, I think, in my division. So yeah. And it was the first tournament I've ever shot under par. You sound very sporty right now, by the way. <clears throat> Thank you. By the way, for tuning into speaking of ESPN, Spe- yes, yeah, speaking of fucking <laughs> speaking lesbian of... sports, <laughs> um, I yeah, I shot two down the first round, three down the second round. It was a pretty easy course. Like a lot of the baskets were really like gettable from um, where I was throwing. If no one knows what disc golf is, okay, I'm so sorry. This makes no sense to you, but it's basically like regular golf, but with frisbees and baskets, and it's super fun. And a lot cheaper than ball golf. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was the only one that in my division that shot under par for the whole tournament. And I'm so... In first place? Congratulations. Fucking proud of myself, dude. I was so proud of myself. Um, but the place we were staying at is like, like the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Every part of the U.S. has these like middle of nowhere... Mm-hmm. country vibe whether you're up up north or not like you have this like oh we're in rural we're in the middle of, middle of nowhere um but this was like swampy feel to it and george and i went to a diner that was right by our airbnb before one of our rounds and it couldn't have been bigger than this living room that we're in but you can't see that so just imagine a living room yes standard it was like room. a little cottage shack that we walked into and it was like six tables and the there was two women cooks and two women waitresses and you could tell they were all family and all related and there were signs all over the walls, like covering the walls, like my favorite coworker is the coffee machine. Or but, I mean, who hasn't had that experience? Know. Or if it wasn't for stress, <laughs> I wouldn't get anything done. Oh, what was the other one? Um, if anxiety was a sport, if, if right? you know, if anxiety burned calories, I'd be a size zero. <laughs> I was like, ever since you told me that line, yeah, you're I've like, been wow, about that's it. like fucking. <laughs> Um, there was one that was like hunters, fishermen, and other types of liars eat here, and I was like, "Oh God!" I, 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 what does that even mean? I t- I asked George that too, and he was like, "Yeah, it's because like hunters and fishers are always like it was this big. They always like oh. exaggerate like how big the buck was or how big the fish was or whatever the deal is. Okay. They always like tell tales of like tall tales. tall tales. Yeah, I didn't get it, but whatever. Um. What was another one? There was all they were all over the whole wall and they were all these like live, laugh, love. Fucking You've oh, got to live, laugh, laugh love, live, laugh, laugh love. love. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> there was one where like this apron was hanging off the wall and it was like, These are my cooking britches. Like George and I were sitting there just taking it all in. Someone walked in and there was a table in the one corner and they passed like through to the other end, other like diagonal corner of the restaurant or the diner, I guess it was mm-hmm. a room and they were like, Oh, Hey Sharon. It was like, Oh my God. Hey Kathy, how you doing? Oh, I saw your post this morning on Facebook. How's your granddaughter doing? And she was like, Oh, she's good. You see her little thing with her toy. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like they're talking over everybody and everyone's like, Oh, Hey Kathy. 
everybody knew each other. They were like, the, <laughs> it was, I felt like I was in some sort the of twilight. T- like a, I felt like we entered a different dimension inside of this little diner, and I've been in like small town settings Mm -hmm. but it just felt extra weird because it was the first time i've experienced like florida version of this not even southern like it had a swampy feel to it and that's the only way that i could see it like these people fucking they they hunt frogs and they fucking Mm -hmm. muck with gators like these people lost teeth because they chew on the bones of like the fish that i don't know like i they just it was a different type of backroads feel. Like there was the one waitress that was talking to the table and she she said something along the lines of she also had these like really crazy like JC Penny bedazzled jeans that you knew were like her favorite, which is nothing wrong with that. Nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. But it was very much like again, yes. time time warp like I just felt like I was in a different space. And she said to her table, "So yeah, they came up to the ranch and my husband was sitting there and they pulled up with their new car and they and he said, oh man, I like your Jeep. And she said, this ain't a Jeep, this is a buggy. And the whole table started laughing and, and then she was like, and you know he can't, you better not get that right. You can't call it a Jeep if it's a buggy. And they're like, oh yeah, you know. They're so laughing. I was like, any, what in the fuck is happening? Where are we? of our listeners are from small town USA, yeah. can you explain that joke what the fuck why would someone be upset that you called their jeep a jeep if it's a buggy like she was like you know you better not call that jeep a a buggy a jeep and then they're like yeah you better not i walked out of the restaurant and there was this truck this massive truck oh first of all it's all trump hats trump signs blue lives matter it's all confederate flags all over the place which is very stereotypical florida but like this was Every single house, every single person you saw, like we ended up going kayaking and any person that we passed had like a Trump hat on. And it was, it's not like I don't know that that doesn't exist. It's mm-hmm. just that it's so condensed and it's so like, it's so, it's a hot spot for that. And it's, I've, I, it's like, I don't really think that that place exists entirely until you're in it. You're like, I don't belong here. <laughs> I don't belong here. Dude, I, know I don't you, belong here. I know I feel. I know. And I, I, I walked out of the diner and there was this huge truck and there was a decal across the windshield. It took up the top half. I don't know how they could even see out of it in big, bold letters that just said, Gator up. Like what? Like instead of giddy up, like gator mm. up, or maybe it's like a term for hunting gators i don't know it was really fun george and i were cracking up we were like thriving reading all of these signs he was paying and then this guy this old guy that had oh yeah that was another thing the guy that was in there had a trump hat on and he turned to his buddy and he's like he's like i'm ready for the bill and he turned to the waitress he goes hey shorty and she gave him a nasty look, and then she's like, you're going to have to wait for me. Everything happens at one second. I'm going to be to you in one second. And the old man goes, hey, hey, hey. I gave them all nicknames. And the guy goes, oh, yeah? He said, yeah, you want to know why I gave her that nickname? Well, look at her. She's short. And then they laughed, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, 
are you allowed to vote? <laughs> like, well, what's you know, happening? It's, it's strange hearing you talk like that because uh, I spent the first half of my life in that town, basically. Yeah. And so, like, I don't hear you describing something alien to me. Yeah. I just hear you literally describing my ancestors. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, so what? Um, don't. So yeah. I'm, I bet you our listeners from small town America are like, oh, um, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> well, George found it funny, too. Which is interesting because he was cracking up not because he didn't, that, that he thought mm-hmm. it was weird. He was cracking up because I didn't understand. He's like, this is literally Memphis. George grew up in Memphis, Michigan. And it's basically like exactly small like town, that. It's small town. I mean, they, they might not be talking about like gators, but they're going to be talking about fucking hunting their deer and whatever. It's just a different conversation, but it's mm-hmm. the same thing. Like he grew up there. If you see his parents' house, if you see, like, the area he grew up in. And he, I think he graduated the class of, like, 30. So he was cracking up because he understood. And he was mm-hmm. like, oh, yep, here we are. Mm-hmm. But he was also laughing at me because I was like, how? Like, huh. all of these people fucking know each other and are screaming across the restaurant. Like, anybody that came in, the waitress was like, oh, my God, look at little Hank. Oh, look at your toes. Like, they fucking know everybody. It's kind of cool, right. but it was also very scary because it was absolutely not safe for me to be there. How <laughs> like, do you find a democratic small town? I know. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure they're out there. Yeah. Anything else? So no, I. Uh, that was my story about the diner. <gasps> you guys want to trigger Skylar? Oh my god. Okay, we went out to dinner yeah. at a restaurant, and well, that's where you eat. Yeah. But before I left for the weekend, we went out to have dinner. And we had this waiter. It was like in an outdoor cafe. This is central to the story. Like, obviously, no one's allowed inside. Yeah, social distance. So, like... we're outside eating at this restaurant. And, oh, my God. I haven't thought about this since you I left. know. I told so, you. It triggered. <laughs> let me just tell it as I remember okay. it. Okay. I'd rather you tell it anyways. So, there's like four or five tables out there. Mm-hmm. And then they're all pretty far apart. And so basically, once he comes up to you and walks away, he's immediately outside of your line of sight. So he walks away from our table, and I suddenly can't see him anymore, even though he's very near. Describe him. Um, uh, he's a cute guy. Paint, paint the picture. I'd say he was probably about 5'9 or 5'10. Okay. Um, he had some intricate tattoos. No hair on his legs or arms. No hair on his legs or arms. A and small ear piercing, short hair. And I'm pretty sure he was either clean, very waxed clean. or plucked his eyebrows. Yes, clean cut. But like, his eyebrows were like suspiciously, suspiciously tailored. Beautiful. So basically, um, he, he walks... kept saying things though, like, uh, my, "My guy, my guy." He was like, "Yeah, no problem, my guy, my, my guy. guy." So, um, I immediately am like, "Is this a homo?" I'm not sure if we were recording any of that with the mic. Okay, so this is actually edited together. I realized that our mic was not all the way plugged in, so the audio might be louder than it was before. I apologize. I hope your ears are okay. Maybe I'll be able to edit it to make it... I don't know. But anyways... You think the first half will sound okay? I thought it sounded okay. okay. Uh, Speaking of hot garbage... garbage, uh, Me. Basically, my waiter overheard me very... And I had had two beers at this point. So I'm like, y'all, do you guys think yeah. <laughs> our waiter is gay? 
Yeah, and I was like, absolutely. <laughs> and then George you reappear. Was just sitting there. No, there was worse. I was like, you're like, yeah, but I just, I can't figure it out. I was like, yeah, I think he is, though. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, I think that he is, but I think he's sensing, like, George's hetero. Yeah, he's code so switching. Like he's he, code I, switching. Yeah, I was like, I feel like he's code switching because he keeps saying, like, my guy, but, like, I don't know. He just has a way about him. You're like, yeah, you're right. I just can't figure it out, but I think he is, too. I don't know. And then he, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, he was literally right next to us. I felt so bad, so embarrassed for like thirty seconds. And then mm-hmm. Skyler had left his body. Yes, had a full I, meltdown. He literally was. His tears were welling up in his eyes. It was his birthday dinner, but I was getting a present. I was getting to unwrap this whole experience that Skyler went through. That's my worst nightmare, especially like. That when I was waiting tables and I felt like, are those people whispering, wondering if I'm gay? Because uh-huh. I am. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> I hope they don't. Think I hope they I don't am realize. Gay. I hope they don't think I'm gay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I that's... mean, yeah, it was not really cool. It wasn't really cool of us, but it no. was funny. It was a problematic watch, behavior. On not our funny part. that we could have possibly like upset the waiter, but it was funny to watch Skylar have a full blown meltdown at dinner. Yeah, okay, I got my just desserts. I got my karmic return. Hopefully, very good things happen to this man. Yeah, but he was perfectly fine. We tipped him well, so don't worry about it. So speaking of having a full meltdown okay. and like you know my Libra attributes, right? Okay, are you sure that's the Libra? Because I'm pretty sure your meltdowns or Pisces. Yes, I'm they're probably linked. Mm. And the full moon in Libra uh-huh. is associated mm-hmm. with the two of swords. Okay. Which is what I wanted to talk about today. I am so down for that. So how who said it's linked to the two of swords? I'm so I agree that it could mm-hmm. be linked to that, but it's the like the two of swords and the moon in Libra have just tradition traditionally been linked. For as far back as tarot goes, cool. essentially. Cool, I didn't know that. And I love that. I mean, decisions is literally decisions. Libra's worst nightmare. So I can see it. <laughs> you know what's you know what's funny about that what? is I was looking at Moon in Libra mm-hmm. specifically when it comes to decision making, mm-hmm. and a lot of astrology websites were talking about how there's this idea that Libra and Moon people are bad decision makers. However, it said that when when a moon and Libra person is given uh, authority over something that they don't have any emotional investment in, they're the best decision makers. What was your opinion on that? I agree. I think it's going to depend on what else they have with it. Mm-hmm. Like you could relate a lot to that because you have Virgo as your sun sign and you have a lot of other things that are supporting it in your chart to make it you able to have like a definitive want or need. But if it's if it's not up to you, you'd rather just have somebody else decide and you'll suffer through it or you'll enjoy through it depending on who, who picks what mm-hmm. decision. Um, but yeah, I think there's I think there's validity to that. I don't always think that the stereotypical things that you equate to each sign are true for each person. Obviously, yeah. that's the complexity of astrology. Like, Absolutely. Um, but I thought that was interesting. So I was thinking about... I, yeah, I was sorry. There was other thing. I was like, the moon it. sign is also um, a lot. I feel like interpreted in a much a much different way than how you would associate to like an ascendant 
or a sun or a Mars placement or a Venus placement. Obviously, they're all so different, but there's something different to me about the moon where there's I take the moon and look at much different places than like a general term of like, okay, decision making. It's based on more like of an emotional connection. I don't know. Absolutely. Okay. That's a beautiful way of saying something. Okay, keep going. You're like, (laughs) can I talk now? You're like, is it my turn? Yeah, okay, go ahead. So I was thinking like, you know, like when you draw the two of swords. Always. And uh, for our listeners who aren't aware, the two of swords usually features a blindfolded woman holding two swords. She's usually sitting, staring off into nothing because hello, she's blindfolded. And there's usually some water behind her or something like that. She's like my, that card is probably like my second favorite first favorite i like that's one of my favorite cards top three favorite cards in the tarot so i guess before we even start what would you what kind of meanings would you ascribe general meanings um it's about having to make a decision and it's more than just having to make a decision it's a it's a crossroad that only you can access there's something secretive to me about the two of swords there's something unspoken about the two of swords it's got high priestess vibes it does and it's more so about to me it feels much more about an inner conflict than an outer conflict i feel like the two of swords comes up to, for me more when there's a an issue or a truth that needs to be uncovered that i am kind of blinded to or that i'm Mm -hmm. kind of facing towards one road and i'm not fully acknowledging this other road that i know that i'm being drawn to or pulled to or there's signs to do something that way so there's something shadowy more than just making a decision um obviously it can come up in a spread for me being like okay there's a decision that needs to be made there's a crossroad there's two things but there's so many other decision cards in the tarot and for some reason the two of swords has always felt more deep than i think it gets credit for maybe also because i've connected that specific card to something very intense with my own life and i had this like huge experience with the card and i like had a vision of the card so obviously maybe i'm just like more biased to it but i think the blindfold and when you read about some of the meanings and it talks about having to get quiet and go into solitude to kind of see the two crossroads to understand each of the swords in your hands and why they're crossed and what they mean and your options it it never really in my opinion lends to like a third option it could be but it really feels like you need to go with one sword or the other and there's many options that will open up i don't know i'm I'm talking way too much but i have such a strong connection to the two of swords it feels deeper than just make a decision so you know what i was thinking uh i agree with everything that you said yeah and whenever i see that card i'm always like it's time to make a decision yeah so i was thinking what if you know, uh, it's what if I assembled ways to make a decision? You know, that'd be fun. So like, you draw this card for someone. You're like, yeah. Instead of saying, you have to make a decision. Yeah. Now you people that are listening can give people research-based tips on literal decision making. <laughs> so this article is called "How to Make Difficult Decisions: oh, Five Pieces of Timeless Advice for Making Tough Choices" by Jory McKay from Zapier.com. Don't do like Ross Geller and make a pros and cons list. Don't do it. 
So, so even let's see that. if you agree with anything on this list. Um, and I, I, I usually find that when it comes to some psychology stuff and some yeah. like evidence-based research, yeah. a lot of it is counter to some of the spiritual advice that we run into. So I was oh, also yeah. interested cool. in talking about that and yeah. how that plays out. So tip one is think in years, not days. Dr. Edward Banfield, professor emeritus of government at Harvard University, spent 50 years studying upward economic mobility. He said the most successful people are intensely future-oriented and always think about the future. Now, problem one with that is, to me, is is there is a bit importance of being mindful and living in the present Mm -hmm. and the importance of experiencing the now but and the research i know does indicate that emotional well-being is supported by living in the now but what do you think about economic well-being being so closely tied to future future thinking yeah can i like give an example yeah how i've felt like i've changed so this has really only happened I'm not going to say this is the only reason why it's happened, but I can see a dramatic shift in the way that I have a mindset about my goals and like who I am because of like the Dave Ramsey thing. Mm -hmm. So I've talked in the past about it, whatever. I'm going to talk about it again. George and I read Dave Ramsey's book and we've really been on this like debt free kind of journey it's we've had ups and downs with it moving across country was a lot but we're really focused on the end goal of being debt free and what it's going to do for us and making choices future based but in the present and i think that when that article is talking about like like future i don't know how they worded it i can't remember but it was like living basing basing your things on like a bigger perspective a future perspective there's a sweet spot in there and it happened like organically i didn't force it me taking myself out of the present day because my spiritual practice in michigan was very much like a day-to-day um i'm in this witchy little cottage i'm going to work i'm trying to be present i'm trying to live in the moment but i wasn't future-based at all and i feel like there's a sweet spot of having goals, working towards the future, having a bigger mindset in years, like that article said, like making decisions based off of years rather than day to day, but keeping that in mind. Like your goals for years to come are every single day you're working for it. So you can still be in, in the, the moment. present moment working on your goals for the years ahead. And I think because the Dave Ramsey plan takes so long because of the debt that we have from school, we don't have any like crazy debt. It's like mm-hmm. student loans, car payments, stuff like that, regular people shit, you know? But because you see that big total in that number and you think, okay, I'm not gonna be able to do that in a year. This is a five year plan. What are we doing? What are we spending our money on? What is our goals? How is this gonna free certain things up? How can we tighten up our budget? And those sorts of like basic day-to-day things have made a huge impact on my ability to have long-term goals, but to bite at them every single day. And that's like the biggest, that's like the first thing that comes to my mind is. I like that idea of the sweet spot between the now and mm-hmm. the future. 
especially... What do you think? I think at first I was a little resistant of placing that much emphasis on the future. Yeah. Because things change so quickly. Yeah. You know, or I, every person's story will be different, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I've never had a goal that lived in the future so far away where I needed to think in years, plural, if that makes sense. Right. So I was thinking about that in and of itself. But don't you think that's kind of like stuff that maybe this is like not podcast stuff. I'm about to, I'm about to pull you out right now. Don't you think that mindset is what's triggering you currently though? Right. It could be because you're like, what am I doing with my life? Where am I going? What am I doing? And like, sometimes you get really stressed about like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I have no, like I have no future. I have no future. I have like no goals. I don't, what am I doing? Like, should I go back to school? Should I do this? Should I start this job? Blah, blah, blah. And then you kind of just like, you're like, die. No, you're kind of just like, all right, well, I'll worry about it later. I'm really happy right now. So I'll just figure it out. You know, it'll, it'll just work itself out, which I totally believe it will. But maybe that's a reason why you are resistant towards the mm -hmm. future thing because you don't want to think about that. Absolutely. And for me, the biggest thing not the biggest thing, but something that I've really been wrestling with, wrestling yeah. and tasseling is, I know I've said this before on the podcast, where you pray to God, but you row for the shore. Yeah. And sometimes I forget about the, the row to shore part. I I am so sure of, I don't even know how to say this without like sounding like crazy, but I am so sure right now of like my relationship with the universe that I know oh, in, in every way yep. that I will be taken care of uh-huh. and translating that into a way where I have goals where beyond being taken care of in a way, you know, like just thinking of, I, I'm just going through a whole journey with that right no, now. No, I know. I, I, it's a spiritual thing that I think everyone goes in their own ways and I'll even take it and put a different verbiage to it there is a very big difference between saying I know I'm going to be taken care of and I know that everything will work out the way it needs to and that I will have a happy and healthy life mm-hmm. versus I know that will happen to me and I know how to get exactly the sort of things that I'm looking for it might not happen in the way that I want but I know how to get go out and get. And what you're talking about is masculine and, and feminine, or if you don't want to use those terms anymore, the yin and the yang, the what you sit down and attract to go out and get. And you're really, really confident in the one, mm-hmm. and you're kind of like halfing the other. My masculine you know, there, is there lacking. Really has to be, there really has to be, you know, not always... But I, I, again, it, I feel like it's got to find a sweet spot between the, I'm going to manifest what I want and I'm going to know that the universe is going to put me in a place that I will get, get that and I will, I, will, I will be happy and I will have what I need and I will be taken care of and I will, I will get my things that I'm looking for out of life. And also, I am going to put forth the effort to make it happen because sometimes the universe will give you an opportunity and say here it is and if you don't take it if you don't go out and get it when it's handed to you then what it's only it's passing you by which is big fucking mood big fucking mood um there was another thing i was gonna say like flipping that like you said um what was how you say road shore what did you say 
I think it's more. What is that saying that you just said? Oh, um, pray to God, pray to God, row ashore. Yeah, I mean, the years versus the present. You know what I mean? Thinking on the big plan is really, really great. Years to come. But if you're not doing something every single day to achieve your year goal, like your five-year goal, then you're not going to reach it when you get there. Mm-hmm. And also, if you're doing things every single day, but you don't have a, some sort of idea of where you're getting to in five years, even if you don't end up there, but if you don't have some sort of direction, there has to be some sort of sweet spot. And I think that's the biggest thing that people struggle with in general. You can, right? You can name it and reword it a thousand different ways, but yeah. Also, balance. Balance. That's fucking big Libra energy. Big Libra fucking Actually, energy. Big or, two of swords or energy. not Libra energy, y'all. Unbalanced motherfuckers. I don't know. I, I think that the more I read about Libra, I think that... Um, healthy Librans are very balanced. Like they, I think I'm seeing the potential now. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're they are. I no. Um, guys, Samantha Minzo is a Libra hater. No, the no, <laughs> the whole thing about the signs is is that like Virgos. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're either OCD or they're fucking disgusting. Yes. They're the extremes of those things. And somehow I've managed to float right in the middle. Oh yeah. Libras are either really, really balanced and understanding of making decisions, and they're literally the lawmakers, the judges, the people that can write things, and or the people that are using. They're literally the Libras that are thinking in years, not days. Yeah, or they're either huddled in the corner because they can't decide if they want the green sweater or the blue sweater. Okay, me. Okay, so so guys, everyone, that was one thinking years, not days. Here is how to make difficult decisions, um, suggestion number two. How many are there? There's five. Oh my god, okay, I didn't know there was that many. Go ahead. So, two, understand the effects of decision fatigue. It's no wonder that at a certain point we reach what's called decision fatigue, where the mental energy required to weigh the trade-offs of our decision becomes too much for us to handle especially when it comes to the kinds of decisions we're talking about here, which require a massive amount of cognitive grit to weigh the pros and cons. Decision fatigue hits us when we've depleted our ego. We begin to lose the ability to weigh the outcomes of our choices and make dubious decisions. Dubious. It's why after debating for a few minutes, you agree to your friend's bad restaurant choice just to get the decision-making process over. And on top of that, I remember from psychology... There's this phenomena of, like, in terms of decision fatigue. If you are a prisoner and you are trying to get out on parole, you are more likely to get out on parole if your parole hearing is in the morning versus the afternoon. Because judges are more likely to make lenient and better decisions in the morning than in the Mm -hmm. afternoon when they're fatigued. Mm -hmm. They're more likely to make more hard, closed-minded decisions. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know. Work work day. Like, do you do you have a job where you have to make a lot of decisions? Yes. Oh, you do? Okay. So I would think that your job is like people make the decisions for you and you do it. We have to make so like we are given so like the way my job works is that we're given tasks and we have to make constant decisions about what we're gonna do and what we're not gonna do because it's impossible to do all of it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, mine my job is constant high pressured decisions Mm -hmm. so 
I know that at about 3 p.m. on my workday, I got about two hours left in me. I need some sort of pick-me-up or I need to get up and walk away or I need to switch whatever I'm working on and take a different like gear for like a 20 to 30 minute break and then come back to it and I'm better. Uh, so I feel that slump in the afternoon. Like it's decision fatigue. Yeah. It's just, it's literally fatigue. I don't know too many other times in which I'm sure there are a lot. Mm-hmm. Like when we were moving, when we were packing everything up, I I was so overwhelmed with everything that I was just like, just, I don't know. Just fucking pack the boxes. Just, just, just do it. Like I just couldn't make another decision. And I was just, throwing things in the donate or the or the trash pile apparently it's a psychological phenomena you can become fatigued by making just even if you were just sitting it's like mentally and emotionally overwhelming apparently in your decisions get worse and worse and worse as the day goes on they don't really give you any tips on how to make it better so fatigued of making decisions you feel like drunk and exhausted yes daily (laughs) (laughs) so everyone to recap making difficult decisions one make sure you're thinking in years not days and two make sure you understand the effects of decision fatigue so now here's three cut down on the number of decisions you have to make each day like let's say you need to make a decision two weeks from now something you can do today is cut down on the number of decisions you need to make each day such as Make sh- wear the same clothes every day or I already do that. <laughs> select from only a handful of lunch options that you rotate each week or use a service like Amazon subscribe and save to ship common items like paper towels directly to your house at the same time every month. Are they sponsored month. by them? Like- no. <laughs> or consider asking waitstaff for dinner recommendations and then actually taking them. You know, and- AKA they're telling you to go minimal, like live a minimalist life. Like, minimalist decision life. That's one of the reasons why minimalism is so, like, is such a big thing. It's not because people don't like to live with stuff. It's because it's eliminating the amount in which they need to stress or think or choose or make decisions. Like, if you wear the same shirt and you have ten of them and you do it every single day... I, again, this is something that happened very organically. Like, I wasn't trying to do it. When we moved down here, um, I didn't know that people just didn't wear long sleeves or sweaters. Like, my wardrobe was so full of, like, so many different options for clothing because it's all types of weather in Michigan, and you never know what you're going to get, and you need multiple options of everything. You need different colors, different feels, different matches, all this stuff. We moved to Florida. I've literally put on a zip up maybe twice. Um, and I just, I wear the same two pajama sets. I wash one while I wear the other, you know? Um, and I have these tank top. I bought one tank top to play disc golf in and I got it from Target and it's from Target. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and it was so comfortable and I really liked it. And I went back to get another one. And then I went back and I was like, oh, they have this color. Oh, now they have this color. I have like five of them. And it's I wear one every single day, I feel like. And I'm just like, all right, which one am I going to wear today? That's it. I know I'm going to wear this tank top. That's what I'm doing. And I pushed all the clothes to one side of my closet that are not something that I would wear like on a regular day basis and I only had half of my closet with like what would I actually wear and there's like 10 shirts and 
Five of them are these fucking tank tops. So I get up in the morning, I pick my shorts, I put on my tank top, mm-hmm. and that's it. And it's made me feel like, I don't know. I like that. Better? I, yeah. Like, I don't know. It's easier. Like, I don't stress about, like, oh, what should I wear? I also don't leave the house, so it's <laughs> not that big of a deal. But... I have spent my life mastering the art of decision elimination. Yeah. Uh, you know, very small wardrobe, as you know. Yeah. Um, everyone always makes fun of me for it. Um, Do they? Yeah. Who makes fun of you? Um, you. Yeah. <laughs> Who else do I know? Okay, so, so you know, like, I, everyone makes fun everyone of me. just takes me down to their and level. Like, they just don't understand they don't my understand. small wardrobe. They actually don't understand that I'm actually just using research-based decision yeah. eliminations to help with my mental I love health. how earlier you were like, um, I'm starting to think that Libra moons are actually the best at making decisions. You're like, I've spent my whole life minimalizing <laughs> the decisions that I need to make. <laughs> But I thought that was, like, great, succinct advice to cut yeah. down the number of decisions. Like, if you just find yourself overwhelmed all the time, then make steps to start eliminating if decisions from If you feel overwhelmed, just, like, don't. Have you tried to just, just, not? Like, not? Like, just, <laughs> just don't, not, be, don't overwhelmed. be overwhelmed. Just, just stop like, it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. So. It's textbook love. But I just feel like... Get with that it. That is some of the best concrete advice that, honestly, I've seen. Like, if you've... Like it, I know that like once once a month I run out of toothpaste. What if I really did have a subscription service that just delivered me toothpaste once a month, and I just knew it was you would coming? Would be the most fucking high maintenance bit. No, I know, right? But like that's just is that I, really something that plagues your existence? Sometimes I stress that I'm like I should go to the store and buy more toothpaste, but I know I'll forget, and that's the stressful part. So, anyways, you're an enigma. <clears throat> So now, um, here is tip four for making difficult decisions. Consider the opposite. (laughs) You know what? If you are, like, stressed about making decisions, just, like, don't think about that. think about it. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. (laughs) Let me read what it says. I'm excited. (laughs) Four. Consider the opposite. In a meta-analysis of 50 years' worth of judgment and decision-making research published by Harvard Business School, one piece of advice for making difficult decisions that came up time and time again was getting an outsider's opinion. And by opposite, I think they literally meant get someone else's opinion. It said, the the researchers found that talking to those detached from the decision has three main benefits. Reducing your overconfidence about what you know, reducing the time it takes to make the decision, and it increases your chances of entrepreneurial success. I love asking people's advice because I'm not actually looking for their advice. I'm looking for them to listen to me talk about it out loud so that I can hear myself talk about what the decision I need to make is, Mm -hmm. and I will figure it out on my own. And then mm. I'm upset when they tell me what they think. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, great, but I'm going to do any, something else. That is the I wanted to hear. Well, yeah, according to so 50 much. years worth of Harvard Business Education, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, but... well, you do the same thing. You literally <laughs> yeah, told me. Absolutely. <laughs> like, if you tell me something, I'm not going to do, do it. I do believe that when I do that, it does reduce my confidence. Yeah. 
I will. I will. That, that part no, when was I, When I go to George and I'm like, George, I don't know what to do. I just, I'd be like, he'll say exactly what I don't want him to say. I'm like, I don't think My you're right, though. I just reduced. don't know if that's true. <laughs> and last but not least, last way to make a difficult decision is stay, is stay, <laughs> is stay away from the what if game. Psychologists oh, call this Libra. phenomena counterfactual thinking, and it describes how we dwell on the outcomes of actions we didn't actually take. For instance, what if I'd answered that interview question differently? Or what if I had said what I really I'm meant? so triggered. So... <laughs> what if we didn't call out the sexuality of right. our server at the restaurant? So counterfactual thinking, as I've learned that that's called... Uh, you know, just uh, I when call you call it an anxiety attack, insomnia-ridden yeah. night. Just don't be anxious. Just don't think about what you did that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, according to psychologists, when you find that thinking, it is it. When you see it arise, just know that it's not there to help you. It's counterfactual. Oh, absolutely! I think anyone who's in that mindset can know that it doesn't feel yeah, like spiraling. that's the good thing to be doing. But sometimes, in a sick way, when I think of what if, you know, yeah. it's more to punish myself. So <laughs> maybe if I just started thinking, you know what? No, I'm not going down this road right now. I know that that is a compulsive trait in myself when I get I'm sure everyone can feel that way but mine feel like when I do it it's like uh, it's almost like a need to control or to plan every scenario every scenario of what if it's not just like oh what if this would have happened it's mine doesn't live like in the past mine lives in the future of what if it's not like oh what if I did this or he said this or she said this it's more so what if I wake up and this happens and it's like more so a need to see every single angle of that situation so that I can like play out the scenario. I don't know. I'm sure everybody does that, but there's Mm -hmm. also like the past what ifs and the future what ifs. And mine feels very much like a not great, like I need to control or over, I don't know, over understand the situation. Mm -hmm. I, I don't feel good when I do it. Do you? No. No. But I do think that now when I look at the Two of Swords, I'm going to remember staying away from counterfactual thinking. I'm going to remember I don't uh, get other people's input. I'm going to remember decision fatigue and I'll remember long-term thinking. Like now I now I look at that card and now that I've attached this article to it, I yeah. am just going to have something to latch on to when I start to spiral. That's nice. So that was good. I, I hope. I liked hearing that because it's always nice. And it really depends on like what other cards go with it. Absolutely. You know, obviously like, you know, if the two of swords is just like a daily pull, the first thing that doesn't come to my mind is get an outside opinion. Mm-hmm. To me by itself, it feels very much like this is something that you need to access on your own. Mm-hmm. Once you've really acknowledged it and accessed it, it might be okay to go and tell your friend about it and see what you think about it. But in the end, the decision is only going to be made by you and you're the only one that's going to be able to make it and it's going to make... It's going to affect you. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But I think that there are some cool cards that could go with it and talk about, you know. Yeah, all those other tips and tricks. Yeah, like you're overthinking it. You know, you know deep down inside the high priestess is inside that two of swords. You already know the answer. You just got to make the decision on it, Mm -hmm. you know? And I have one last article related to decision making that I found kind of interesting and that I have been seeing happen literally and i've heard people kind of talk about this but this is put very succinct 
It's about the pandemic from about little yesterday. It's called Has the Pandemic Become an Excuse for Shoddy Decision Making by Niranjan Gidwani from MSN. I'm sure this is correct. So this is what it says. It says, The big worry, however, is that we may end up accepting laxity and low-quality results as the new norm. Mm -hmm. Because this is a pandemic of global global proportions, as consumers, we remind ourselves that we must be patient, as we believe companies and organizations are actually trying hard and must be doing their best. But when we start to look look deeper we realize that several organizations stores and online delivery platforms are not doing their best at all Mm -hmm. there seems to be an undercurrent where delays poor service inability to make legitimate payments and sacking of employees are all being put down to quote-unquote coronavirus yeah i'm not gonna say how i know that that's absolutely (laughs) happening but i'm gonna tell you that that's (laughs) i know that to be very every person i've talked to that works anywhere is literally like oh my god the easiest thing i can do right now is just blame everything on the coronavirus i've literally heard that like well the good thing is is that we have the coronavirus coronavirus. and we can just pass it off as that's what everyone is saying and this article is pointing out a very good point is that once once this passes Mm -hmm. uh They'll have to the find new, something else to the blame new, it on. Yeah, the new norm is what... This, this article is implying that there's a new norm coming where quality will be lowered forever. I don't think so. Um, I think that it's a really... Maybe in some situations... Like, we'll get, we'll get used maybe, to delays. We'll get used to these kinds of things. And if it becomes the new norm... I, then it can be repackaged. You I know what I'm saying? See, I see where they're going. I don't know if I completely agree. Maybe here and there, little things or some some situations. But I think right now, people are just really capitalizing on this current excuse. And it's really fucking sad because it's something that's really scary and really upsetting. And people have lost loved ones. People have died. This mm-hmm. is horrible. And it's getting harder and harder every day for us to remember, like, what's really happening. But I think businesses are just capitalizing on the, it's the coronavirus, there's delays, like, it might not get you in time, or our customer service is down, or we had to let a lot of our staff go, or whatever these excuses. Um, You know, it's only going to be able to happen for so long, and I... I think businesses and people will always make excuses. Absolutely. But I think that they're just capitalizing currently. And I don't... I, I wonder I what the long-term see... impact is. Like, I wonder... You know what? Is, will there be one? Will there not be? I'm sure that, I'm sure that there is. But when I was relating it back to the Two not... of Swords, I found it kind of an interesting question to pull that card and think, what kinds of excuses are you making for the decisions that you are making? <laughs> and I felt like... Like, attacked immediately. (laughs) So, this is a theme that I have been synchronistically, I'll just say that, Mm -hmm. uh, looking into all weekend. Because it started with before we left for the disc golf tournament. I watched this, uh, I watched this pro disc golfer. His name is Simon Lazat. He's from Germany. And he has, like, a vlog channel. And he's one of the only ones that has a youtube channel as well and he makes really funny cool content you get to watch him play and he's an awesome person for the sport and he was doing a video about just talking about like answering the normal questions he gets of like the biggest differences between things in europe 
and things in America. And he talked about, like, driving and all this shit. But he talked mostly at the end about, like, what's the main thing in disc golf that you see that's different in Europe versus America. And he said the number one thing... This is kind of funny, actually. Mm-hmm. The number Did I tell you this? No. Okay. The number one difference between disc golfers in Europe and in America is that when a disc golfer who is European throws a bad shot, they say, oh, I fucked up. I threw a bad shot. I know what I did, but I just messed up. And Americans will find every single excuse as to why that shot wasn't good other than themselves. It slipped out of my hand, or it was wet, or uh, I rolled my ankle, or oh, I just had a weird run up, or oh, that person was talking, or oh, I, I, you know, I saw something else as soon as I was throwing, or whatever it is, you know, or the wind picked up, and I noticed, like looking as he said that, I it was something like I knew that, and he's like, it's a very American thing to do, and I had this really triggering. M- thing from when I was in softball as a kid and I used to make excuses for everything when I was playing softball I did that constantly and it was my way of like not feeling bad when I messed up I was making excuses and one of my coaches was like Menzo you make an excuse for everything just get up there and do it and you missed it you missed it it's fine but quit making excuses you make excuses for everything and it was like one of the first times I felt like an, an adult like really called me out on something and I didn't realize that I did that and I was like heartbroken I was devastated because I was like I don't make excuses and then like for the rest of the time I was like like realizing like I, I do I make excuses about everything and since then I go through waves Everyone's, it's a personality trait I don't love but I've Like I have this triggering memory that when I realize that I'm making excuses for things or when I see other people constantly making excuses, I like remember that. And when I watched that video, I was like, fuck, I do that all the time with disc golf. I'm going to make a point to stop doing that. And I played a tournament and the girl on my card, we're not going to talk about it because you just never know who can listen. Yeah, I had a great time. That was the entire time, the only thing that came out of this person's mouth was excuses. And I could see how in the tournament, there were things that I was starting to say to myself and I stopped myself and said, nope, that was me. I shot bad. And there was actually an instance where there were people, that we were about to tee off for a hole and I got up there. There were... Uh, men that were getting ready to start their round right next to where we were driving and they were talking super loud and it I heard them but it didn't really bother me I could have told them to like quiet on the tee or something no big deal I got up threw my shot I sort of didn't throw it great but it wasn't awful stepped off the other girl got up there and started giving like glaring like she looked like she was gonna throw and then she stopped and she started like glaring at the people talking and then started to throw again and then glared at them and then took her shot and shanked it into a tree and she like kind of like got upset and came back and she was like oh if they would just stop talking that's why and she said that's why you threw bad and that's why I threw bad is because they won't stop talking and I turned to her and I said no I threw bad because I threw bad 
But if you are upset at them talking, go let them know that they need to be quiet while we're driving. And that was so huge for me because I was like, <laughs> I took accountability for, anyways, I've been thinking, it's so weird that you brought that up because literally all weekend I've been thinking about the that, ways in which I make excuses, especially Isn't with that a cool golf. layer to add to the two of swords? Absolutely. Like the way that excuses impact our decision making or, oh, or yeah. the way that uh, excuses color and filter decisions we already have made yeah i feel like that could be big two of sort of reversed energy yeah like i feel this like whole topic and i feel like excuses is like an american's fucking like if you're listening to this and you're not from america yeah. maybe you don't get the severity as to how it is here like the mindset is everything is a fucking excuse like if you can excuse like if you can make and Mm -hmm. shift your way out of a situation like people will just have to uh, go with it like people don't question excuses as much because they're just like yeah well all right that's what you're gonna go with you're gonna whatever it's fine you know what the other thing he said was was um competing this even if you're not into disc golf i find there's like correlations you can make with this in Europe, he he plays to win, but he's really excited when he gets second place because he shot better than all the rest of the people that he beat. And he's obviously playing to win, but as so long as he feels good about how he played, then he's really happy. Whereas he's noticed that every single American, if they get second place, they are not happy because they didn't win. Like, Americans play for first place. And if they are not first, they're last. Mm -hmm. If you're not first, you're last. If you're second, you're the first loser. And Mm -hmm. we've joked about that it's in movies, all that shit. But that's literally the mentality is if you didn't win, if you didn't come in first, then you might as well have just fucking not played. And he's like, I was starting to feel like like bad that I'm sponsored that I'm this pro and that I play all these tournaments and that I wasn't upset that I didn't get first that I was getting second or third he's like I don't know and then I was starting to feel bad because everybody else was like oh man I got second and blah 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 he's like no you got you got second like congratulations the payout was a difference of two hundred dollars you're gonna play another tournament next weekend like it's not a big deal you know you still got five hundred dollars six hundred dollars to play disc golf for fucking two days like you're fine. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the mentality of I'm really proud of myself and I didn't win. I wish I would have won, but I did as best as I could do. And I'm really happy I got second versus fuck, I got second. I was so close to first. And then just thinking the whole time about how you didn't get first place. That's really interesting to think about in regards to how different places or different cultures can associate to like making decisions or kind of the two of swords in that way. I don't know. Absolutely. You have nothing to say. No, to that. Yeah. You're just listening to me. No, I, yeah, I actually was just getting like engrossed in the, what you were saying. Oh, yay. Um, that is an interesting point. And I, whenever I've met Europeans, cause, uh, my school was like one third foreign exchange students. Like we had like a huge internet, like it was like a semi international awesome. school, right? We had a few and I always tried to make friends with them. Oh my God. I luckily I was fucking successful. Super hot fucking Russian girl. Yes. There's always that girl. I think her girl. name was Mirma. Oh yeah. I like convinced her to like, come to her birthday party or something. Bless you. 
Um, and, um, and honestly, this was kind of shitty on their part, but honestly, we were in high school. Yeah. European kids definitely had a way of making you feel embarrassed to be an American, even though they were the ones that were here, you yeah. know? And I remember distinctly feeling embarrassed to be American in their presence. Just because the we way... should be. I know, as we fucking should be, <laughs> yeah. honestly. And like the way, fucking place. the way that they talked about things, I just felt embarrassed that I hadn't seen them in the first place. Some of the things oh, they were pointing out. Yeah. And uh, like the way that we all baby ourselves and that we all baby mm-hmm. each other. And mm-hmm. they were talking about... Like excuses, excuses basically. Excuses and... And ever since high school, I've always made it a point to be conscious of the way that I make excuses. Like when yeah. I'm at work and something bad happens... I well, first of all, it's like a instinct for me to freeze up, and I cannot defend myself about anything. And I would just say yes, okay. Wow, uh, talk about Libra Moon, huh? I know, right? You're like, I'm so good at making decisions. You're like, I just fucking freeze. Yeah, just I, don't I, do anything. Yeah. I don't see. I'm not here. If I like, if I fuck up, I do not make excuses. Only because the thought doesn't even come to my mind. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like, if I fuck up, I'm like, oh man, I fucked up. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't even think of excuses. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, oh shit. You're also a horrible liar, so it wouldn't even serve you right to try and come up. Well, with Well, I feel like the people that we know that make that are constant excuse makers yeah. don't think that they're lying. They are literally just constant excuse makers. I'm trying to think of like. I can think of one or two people like yeah. that are just constant excuse makers. Yeah, and I guess maybe I had like a really good example this weekend, mm. and I do feel like this person was probably com- legitimately felt. That I felt those- like ninety five percent of the time, this person was completely oblivious to the amount in which every single thing that came out of their mouth was some sort of excuse. Like I honestly don't. I just feel like that's the way that they communicate now. And it's really, it was kind of, it was just really sad, yeah, to be honest I, with you. You know, like, it's one of those moments where you just want to shake someone awake. Yeah, you feel like, like there's be asleep. confident, take accountability, and fucking do it. Like, do it, you know? Just, just do it! Do it! Speaking of Speaking which. Speaking of which. If you want to do it. Oh, do you have any tea? I, my tea was going to be triggering you about the waiter. What do you have? Do you have tea? I have no tea. I feel like... Well, we can't miss a segment, so let me ding. Yeah, okay. Let me ding really fast. Spell the T, witch. Spell the T. Spell the T. Um, can we say who our next guest is going to be at the end of September? Yeah, okay, that would be good. That's that going to be, be our T. So, guys, the legendary lioness, Mrs. Madam... <laughs> Madam? Mrs. <laughs> Madam Senora... Um, Jenshina... Jesse Huttenberg is yeah. going to be our next podcast guest at the at the end of September, I think. Yeah. Assuming she doesn't back out, but now Yeah. <laughs> she, now she can't. No, we called your name out. It's not in writing. What would you call this? It's in audio. Yeah, it's um the you know, when we had Imogen be a guest and we had Katie Flowers on as a guest. We didn't like say didn't that they were going to be on. Gonna I think most guests. people knew Imogen was going to be the first guest because we said it, but we just came out with it and it mm-hmm. was there, you know. But I and I liked that. I think it was kind of cool just being like, oh, all of a sudden here's an interview episode. But um, yeah, it's kind of fun to say. This for the interview team. will be different from the other ones. I think we talked about this because this is one of our first guests that I don't know personally. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I've been watching her videos for years now, so I feel like I know her yeah. because I've been watching her. This is the first person that I don't have a like actual, a conversation base yeah. going with, and like like when I talk to her, I'm gonna have. I, I wonder, like, oh my god, well, you know what? 
You know, if you guys have any thing you've always wanted to ask Jesse Huttenberg that you think is hilarious. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Send us your questions for Jesse Huttenberg. But please, please keep in mind, this is the Speaking of Witch podcast, so it needs to be absurd. Yeah, it it's not. It's hot garbage. So if it's something random, send us your, send us your way. Send us a voice note. There's a way you can do that on Anchor platform. If you are listening to this on another podcast platform, head over to Anchor and you can send us a voice note and we can add it actually into the episode itself. Oh, that'd be fun. But I'm really excited. I think she's a queen. I have so many different things that we can talk about with her. And I think because her content sometimes is very, like, it could be very serious, but I know very that mercurial. she, but she has a sense of humor and I've seen it and I Absolutely. think I'm excited to see like what the speaking of which podcast can bring out in her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I want to bring out full Jesse comedian. Yeah. I like wanna I want to s- know what shampoo she uses. Yes. I want to know. I want to like, know if she conditions. She must. She must. Like, she I must. Want, I want to know. And if she doesn't, like, wow. Queen, you know? Like, you just never know. Yeah. <laughs> that's All why right, we're interviewing speaking her. Speaking of which, um, I think that's it for today. I do want to end off the podcast saying thank you so much to our supporters. If you guys want to support the Speaking of Which podcast, you can do so. There should be a link somewhere in the description box or in the info section of the platform that you're listening to this on. But I want to take a second to thank Rebecca PK, Kate B, Julie C, David B, Teresa D, Lindsay M, Phil K, Amy F, Samantha G, Dominic B, and Miranda O. They support our podcast, and I am so appreciative. We are so appreciative. Mm -hmm. If you listen to this, you're helping us. If you share this, you're helping us. If you are putting it on Instagram stories with your funny gifts, we love you. Um, And if anyone wants to make a one-time contribution, they can. There's the PayPal. People have done that before. Um, If not, you can do this for $1, $5, $10 a month, whatever else the increments are. There's also... I don't, we, we had some people give us some feedback last week when we talked about the applaud button and some people saw it. One person told me that they saw it and everybody else said they couldn't see it. Um, but they also, some of them said they were like, like how they were listening to it. Like if they were doing it on a phone or a laptop or what. So I'm super confused. I can see it on my end. Um, and so let me know if you guys, but that's another option too. If you're listening to this on the YouTube, you could hit the on applaud the on the YouTube. You can hit the applaud button if you see it on a desktop and it will uh, give us $2. So that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to mm-hmm. our supporters and to the future supporters. Stay legendary. We love people. you so much. Have a great evening, um, guys. Have a great Two of Swords fucking night i hope that some people got some takeaways from the two of swords if they're tarot readers and i hope that that gave some something to think about like it gave me you guys are welcome goodbye